Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So, on this show, first of all, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. Uh, uh, Tyler, myself, Mike, is, as, as always, uh, he's been wonderful this season. Uh, hasn't been a wonderful season, but Mike has been wonderful. Um, yeah, make of that what you will. Could be coincidence. Could <laughs> Best be compliment I've gotten in a while, so I'll take it. <laughs> You're welcome. My girlfriend doesn't appreciate my compliments. <laughs> she just thinks I'm lying to her, so <laughs> at least somebody appreciates it. So what I was saying is, uh, you know, here at Wisco Fanatics, we're kind of taking a step back, and we're going to allow Luke Fickle to cook, right? We're going to allow him to set the standard and allow him to build from the ground up, basically, because that's what he was doing, really, when you think about it. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to see what kind of men we have on Saturday, and we're going to see what the next couple of years are going to look like, what kind of men that he wants on this team. Uh, you know, who's going to go to battle for him every week. And when I say every week and fans hear every week, they think Saturday. No, you got to put the work in on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday going up to the game. you got to study your film. you got to hit those those workout sessions. you got to eat the right foods. you got to care. you got to love what you do, right? Man, oh, man, was I – God, I talk about this all the time about being – I just want my teams to care as much as me. And I'm not saying that they don't, but when I'm sitting on my damn couch ready to pull my hair out because, you know, and we talked, Tyler, we talked about this play about Matry not going and getting the goddamn yeah. ball, right? Yeah. When I see somebody not doing that, and I know I would die to put on that uniform, and I would dive and I would helicopter, and I'd get a broken leg, and I'd still try to chase the running back down. I want my team to do that because that's how much I love them, how much I care, how much I want to win. And I know that every fan feels that way, right? But I'm not going to go on social media after they do that and, and talk shit about them because I'm not a garbage person. So I just want them to care. I want them to show effort. Give me some heart. Give me some hustle. But, man, oh, man, we're, we're going to find some shit out on Saturday, boys, huh? <clears throat> so I'm going to address Brett's comment here. So Brett commented and he said, I want the fans to care as much or care as well as much as us too. And mm -hmm. this is probably going to be a little hard to hear. Because I do think that people care, yep. but I think the reasons that they care are a little misplaced. So I think we are finding out right now that the nature of Wisconsin sports fans is to expect winning because we've seen our teams win a pretty fair amount. Yep. But I think what the what brings out such negativity in Wisconsin sports fans, especially recently, obviously with kind of all of the teams going through their struggles right now, is that people want the Wisconsin sports teams to win to give them something to be in a good mood about. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And it's and it's tough. And I get it. You want you know you want something that'll make you feel good, make some you know something that makes you happy. And I've said things along this line before, and it's part of the reason why we've taken the approach that we have on this show. Stop waiting for the teams to save you. Yeah. You know, and it's it's tough. It's really, really hard to work on your own mental health. But stop waiting for your favorite sports teams to save you. That's not what they're there for. It's a form no. of entertainment. It is yep. not there to to be the structure and the foundation of your mental health. Yep. It's yeah, just a piggyback off, off that, just the form of entitlement, right? I mean, you look at each Wisconsin sports team, you got, you know, Wisconsin Badgers, right? They made two final fours in a row. They've been winning big 10 titles yet. Now they still want a lot of the fans want, you know, Greg Gard gone, you know, Wisconsin yeah. football had their run. The Brewers making their, their playoff playoff pushes, yep. obviously the Packers, you know, being a couple steps away from the Super Bowl, And, you know, we, you know, we, we've obviously known how the last couple last season went, how, what we're experiencing now. So uh, yep. just like that form of entitlement. And I, obviously I am, I will admit I'm getting better at it at the time like maybe directly like after like a season or two after like those phases, like, was I upset? Of course I was, but I think that's just a form of like wisdom too. Even as you get, as I get older, I would say, um, like you, you hit it on the head. You can't let sports teams like ruin your day or like, what do you want to accomplish? You know, on on the side too. So I, I'm glad you actually brought that up. I would say it's, it takes a form of emotional intelligence is how I would say it. Yeah. You know, the thing that, that I always go back to thinking about is, well, there's two things. One, I always think about my dad when I was younger, always being like, Jake, you need to calm down. Don't let them get to you like that. You know, when the Packers will lose. And, like, the worst one was the 2014 NFC Championship game, dude. Like, I literally went in my room and I locked myself in there for, like, three hours. Didn't talk to anybody. I was like, bro, fuck today. F this world. F everybody. I hate everybody. That's terrible, dude. I, I cannot think like that. And I'm glad that I've come around. Yeah. And then I also think about a comment that not a lot of people liked, and it was from a professional athlete, and it was from LeBron. And <laughs> the way that he said it was wrong, but the meaning behind it was not was not wrong. And it was after they lost to the Dallas Mavericks, and he talked about, you know, everybody talking about me, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you got to go to your shitty job tomorrow. And basically he's saying, like, you're pissed off because you didn't, ma- you didn't make more out of your life. And I'm going to sit here with my millions of dollars I'm going to laugh at you talking about me all day, you know, and you could take something from that. If you put a positive spin on it, like right. dude, you still, you still got to go to work tomorrow. LeBron's still going to go to his, his billion dollar mansion. Still going to be a uh, Nike, like the face of Nike, the face of the NBA, you know, his, he's still got illegal stuff in high school. So you talking about it doesn't really matter. I mean, dude, you don't have to let sports control you that much. Yeah. And, Brett, we're gonna get into the Bucks fans, man. I got some shit to say about that later, but yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. All right. So this week, in lieu of our power pair and underrated performer, we're skipping that this week. Yep. We're also skipping what improved and what to improve, and instead, this week for our Badger football recap and preview, we're just gonna ask some questions, and we're gonna ask them to each other. And we're all gonna answer them. So. This is how we're going to do this. We have four questions that are going to con- uh, consist our recap, and then four questions that are going to um, consist of our preview, and then we're still going to do our matchups, our keys, and our score predictions. Uh, yep. So, Brett said, Jake, you were me in high school, but that was the best when we won in 2010. 
always believed the Packers. Super Bowl hold dear to my heart. My brother passed away in December of 2009, and we always wanted to see the Packers win, and so they did. Man, that's that's cool. Yeah, right. That's awesome, dude. I'm uh, I'm super happy that you got to see a Super Bowl. I'm happy we all got to see a Super Bowl, man. I mean, you know, when you when you really think about it, Mike talked about it before, man. Like we got to see all of our teams compete at high levels, man. So to see them go through tough times, that's part of being a fan. Yep. And uh, I'm just gonna say a little bit of piece what I wanted to say because I agree with Christian Watson's dad. What he was saying about Packers fans. But yeah. Your one job as a fan is to literally just support them. Support. That that is it. You don't yep. get to get to make GM decisions. <laughs> like you don't get to do any of that. You get to sit there on your couch, eating your popcorn, chicken, eating your cheesy popcorn, whatever you choose. I like both those things. Uh, you get to you get to do whatever you got to do. Eat whatever you want. Snack whatever you want. You get to watch the damn game. Okay. If they lose, they lose. It's fine. If they win, that's awesome. It makes you feel good. But you do not get to tear them down piece by piece. Okay. That's not your responsibility. Nope. Uh, um, I, I thought I was crying sorry because it was like my brother was clapping in heaven. I bet. All right. So we're going to go into Badger football now. So, Mike, I'll ask you first. So we got some some tough questions this week, but we've gone through, you know, a, couple, a tough couple weeks. So, Mike, how do you respond to the disappointment of the last two weeks with optimism? So I actually, we, I mean, we sort of hit on it when we first started talking. So I took this from like a personal perspective. Like what, what do you, like when you're disappointed, right? How do you like build yourself up? And it's all, to me, it's all about like self-reflection. Like have, have I done everything that I can to support the team? Have I done everything I can to support the people around me, coaches? Am I doing everything that I possibly can to help this team out? Right. I, I definitely, you know, that's something, and that's something that happens. That's in life, like in general, too. Am I doing everything I can? Am I half-assing it? Am I just going through the motions, or can I truly say like this is not for me? You know, from a life perspective. So, um, those are two big things too. And another part that I would say as well: if you're down, pay it forward for somebody else and put somebody else that you're close to maybe in a in a good position, right? Um, I, I just think, you know, sometimes if you're in a shitty situation, maybe you can make somebody else's day and maybe like in the, in the locker room, it could be, or even during practice, it could be like, Hey, maybe, you know, Tanner Mordecai is not having a good game. Right. But maybe in practice, he's seeing maybe a Nick Evers or miles Burkett making those big time throws like, Hey man. And just like spread paying it forward and spreading like positive vibes like that. So I think just like spreading, you know, um, positive vibes in certain situations like that, self-reflection of yourself to hold yourself accountable to at the same time. Um, I think, you know, those are, you know, certain things that you can do to at least put you in that step forward to at least prepare you and at least, you know, hopefully catapult you to like finishing off the, the season strong in this case. That was a fucking awesome answer, Mike. Um, I, I'm good. Tyler, you should go. <laughs> that was phenomenal. My man, that was awesome. Round of applause for Mike, dude. That was wow. that was a great answer, dude. Honestly, um, I'm feeling fired up. I feel like a better person hearing that. <laughs> um, how do I respond with optimism? That's a, that's a tough, hard hitting question. And Mike literally just made me lose all train of thought. I was so <laughs> dude, dude it was me. tough. It, it took me a long time myself to think about like to think about that. That was a great question. So, um, how yeah. do I respond with optimism? 
I mean, I you, you can find positives in every single situation. I really love your your thought process on paying it forward. I do that all the time. Uh, I'm one of those those weirdos that will like if I'm in a drive through line, I'll pay for the people behind me. Like just last Friday, uh, I got out of work. I went to McDonald's. I was like, I deserve a chocolate shake. You know, <laughs> if I go, I get myself a chocolate shake. I'm drinking my chocolate shake and I'm like, how much is the ladies behind me? Right. It was a, it was an elderly lady. She was like, oh, she's got a pie. Buy the pie, dude. I buy her the pie. That lady had the biggest smile on her face I've ever seen. She made sure to roll down her window, honk her horn, wave at me like that. Felt so good. That was the best feeling. Um, and then obviously I got online with uh, a bunch of doofuses and we talked about the Packers. So that was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. Um, how do I respond with optimism? You know, I just, I remain positive like I do every day in my daily life. I mean, shitty things happen to me all the time at my job. My job isn't fantastic or glorious, but you just stay positive, take it a step at a time. And that's what I think the Badgers have to do. They kind of have to get back to the basics of things, right? Uh, break it down, uh, build it brick from brick. And that's how you build a good, strong foundation is making sure you do the little things and the basic things correctly. So Mike, one of the first things that Mike said was the self-awareness of it. <laughs> and that's going to tie into actually a lot of the other questions that we ask, especially into the preview part of it. But the other thing is, and this stemmed originally from Badgers basketball last season, was looking at things instead of being like, oh, my God, we have all these uh, all these problems and just switching it to looking at them as opportunities. That's that's been honestly, it's one of the things that I try to use in my own life as as often as I can when there's you know things that pop up as problems, just trying to just give yourself a mental cue to look at it as an opportunity instead of a problem. It's a, it's a, if you can figure out a way to just give yourself a cue to change the, just change the perception, that's, that's to me is where the optimism can come in, you know, because everybody's in the, the fire fickle and bring back Paul Christ and we should have hired Jim Leonard mode. And we've seen it over years past. Like it doesn't, it doesn't translate to being in the top 10. It doesn't translate to high recruiting classes. It doesn't translate to people wanting to transfer here unless you play offensive line, running back, or linebacker. And other than that, the change was necessary, which is what's going to come into the next question. But it's it's self-awareness is really what it boils down to for me. And and the, the perception of how you view your situation. Mm -hmm. So Next question, Mike, what have we learned through 10 weeks as far as the big picture is concerned? I think first and foremost that this is not going to be a one-year project, right? This is going to be two to three seasons worth it, in my view. I mean, obviously, if that looks, let's not kid ourselves. All three of us had pretty high expectations going into yep. this year. That's a fact. That's documented. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, and we were all dead dead wrong, right? But, um, yeah. you know, and it also, I think, in this situation, losing how we have been, maybe not like this this season and even, you know, since 2020, if you want to rewind it back to that, losing does bring clarity in some retrospect. And, you know, in this situation, it may actually get a little worse before it gets better. So we know we can't kick the can on this shit anymore. We, we can't just – 
we, we can't put a Band-Aid on some of the, like, any little mishaps. We literally, I, we're at that point where, okay, we have a shit ton of issues. Like, we need to address them one at a time so we can build ourselves forward to, to sustain long-term stability. I mean, we, we took a, a Paul Christ who was averaging eight and four, nine and three records for the longest time. We fired him. That means we want to take the next le- step. And if we have to, you know, make a few step, like make, take a few extra steps to, if we have to build from the ground up, they are going to do that. My, that's my view. That's my take. That's one of my biggest takeaways out of this whole year. Even if we were dead wrong about expectations, McIntosh obviously has his guy. He trusts him fickle. He has to start from the ground up. Like he did at Cincinnati, basically. Um, you know, I think the sacrifice is going to be well worth it, so to speak. So Fickle won one game at his first year at Cincinnati, wasn't it? I think it was two? like two. two. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't a, an ideal season by any means. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, my thing kind of ties into that a little bit, but you know, you brought up our expectations. I mean, you look at all of our record predictions. I think we were all between nine and eleven wins based on our head and heart predictions, and one of my bold predictions was undefeated. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's why we're asking questions like this, because what have we learned through 10 weeks as far as the big picture is concerned? What I've learned is that a complete coaching staff change, offensive scheme change, defensive scheme change, and a culture shift, it's a much harder process than we thought it was going to be. That's my biggest thing, is that this process is much harder than we thought it was going to be. And, you know, it might it might take next year, too. And it probably will, given the schedule that the Badgers face next year. Yeah. Is that we're not going to go from being in the, the tier of Purdue and Iowa and Minnesota and Northwestern to catapulting into Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State, USC territory in Oregon. one year. Oregon. Sure. Washington. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're not – we're not jumping into that tier in one year, maybe not even in two years. So, and that's something that's a conversation we'll have when we do next year's primer. But for me, that's my biggest thing through the first 10 weeks is that the, the systemic change is harder than we thought it was going to be. All right. So the thing that I got hit with is uh, a little bit of reality. Hey, we get them. (laughs) (laughs) We do. (laughs) Um, so, you know, all the years where every time we play Ohio state, it was like, Wisconsin doesn't have the athletes. Well, switching from, you know, the ground and pound where, you know, I always make the joke that we just pull these six, seven and 340 pound guys out of the, the corn maze. It's a little harder to block in this air raid than it is, you know, just, Hey, take your big butt and go forward, you know, 45 times a game. Spread right? the alignment out a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, that it's a lot harder than, than it looks. The defense, uh, we need more athletes on defense, especially yeah. at the second and third levels, in my opinion. Um, we need some dogs up front that can literally just be space eaters and want to go after the quarterback. Uh, that's what we need up front. Um, so it's it's we do need the athletes, you know, and that, that became very, very apparent as these guys that are on roster right now were for a certain game style, you know, and – you know, this is kind of piggybacking off of Tyler, but, you know, when you look at these linebackers, you look at these running backs, you look at these linemen, I mean, shit, even the quarterback, you need a certain kind of quarterback to run this offense too, you know? Uh, a dual threat yep. guy is absolutely a necessity in college football nowadays. Yep. 
Um, it's not as much of a necessity in the NFL because there's so much more like you have to be so perfect at everything and your timing and your footwork and you have to, you know, you can get away with not being athletic in the NFL, although rollouts are really, really nice. I'll play actions. Um, but in the in college, you have to have a dual threat. So we need a dual threat quarterback. We need more athletic linemen up front that want to do gap responsibility, blocking, zone blocking. And we just need the athletes all over the place. And that's the thing that I really took away from it. So, Jake, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, why is patience necessary after two bad losses? Um, because when you, you know, God, I was just talking about this with you too. A lot of people can benefit off of a, a gratuity challenge that Tyler and I have participated in, uh, multiple times, not just for a month straight, but multiple times we have done something like that. Um, if you take a step back and you realize that we're in first season of this, this is the, this is the absolute first season Sometimes we're on the, you know, going to the Bucks. They're in the 10th game of yeah. 82. Like, yep. we could take a chill pill, people. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I learned, you know, it, it's kind of what I already said about the athletes, right? You know, and, yeah. and I'm not trying to make excuses about injuries, but I feel like a factor. few people came back a little early, you know. Uh, they kind of forced it. They wanted to. They wanted to win. They wanted to prove that this was the right hire because they hear the noise from the outside. But it is what it is, man. Um, you just gotta gotta trust the process. As as shitty as that saying is, you know, going on with the Philadelphia 76ers, they kind of killed that a little bit because they said it so much. But you have to just trust the process, man. And well, this is part of the process. You can use the the old Bucks slogan and say, "Own the future." Good. <laughs> um, Barry said, "Coach will take the program to big things. Give it time, and that's what we have to do. We have to give a lot of these things time, <clears throat> and we'll we'll probably end up saying it with Badger basketball too. We got to give it some time. Yeah. My thing wow. with patience being necessary after two big losses or two bad losses is that we've we've seen that the change was necessary. That's yep. what I come back to. Yeah, is seeing what what was on the field last year." And, you know, Jake and I were on the Scary Alvarez podcast, which came out yesterday. And I said this is that we saw just from January through September how how much more exciting the recruitment process is under Luke Fickle already than it was under Paul Chris. Yeah, I said, I cannot remember the last time where it was so exciting to see all the new recruits coming in and the transfer portal players coming in. I don't remember that ever being the case under Paul Chris. And Luke Fickle has brought that to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry said somebody needs to break the curse on Wisco sports. One good week and everybody will be back to like, oh, my God, we're winning it all. Like, I personally don't think the Brewers did a bad job with their hire. I'm excited for the Brewers. I did a video about that yesterday, but yeah. I, I think they did fantastic. I like that hire, honestly. Um, Mike, what do you think? Why is patience necessary after two bad losses? You guys kind of touched base on it, but we, we have to know what we signed up for, like as a football program. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I wrote down. Um, clearly, McIntosh didn't want to go by the status quo with Wisconsin mm-hmm. football. Get those yeah. eight to nine wins, ten, once in a while, 10, maybe get to a Rose Bowl. You know, that's just not, you know, the expectation is higher. That is clear as day. We have to know, uh, fans need to know what we signed up for. And you got a bunch out there that are like, no, we want Paul Chris or Jim Wishon. 
Would we not be in this situation? Maybe, but I guarantee you we would not be, you know, we would not be going 11 and one or 10 and two any, anytime soon or anything along those lines in my view. I mean, so you look at, it was definitely worth a step. If you look at this season, like how many games do you think we'd win if we had last year's team? The like we have maybe two more wins. I maybe still seven think we lose to right Washington now. state. I still think we lose to Ohio state. There's still possibility that they lose to Iowa. I mean, yeah, you're looking at maybe the last two weeks being different. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, what, another year of, like you said, eight, nine wins. But then when you take a step back, right. And you look <clears> at the recruiting <throat> title, like you said, right. Are we getting half of these recruits that we just got? No, probably not. No. Quarterbacks are excited to come here. That's yeah. weird. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, Maybe Matoya may reconfirmed it again uh, after an article. Uh, Evan Flood just uh, came out with uh, an article today, I think it was, and was talking to Matoya, and he's like, "I'm all in on Coach Longo." So uh, that was good to hear because he was up at the game this past weekend. But anyway, yep. we just Bro, have I- to know what what we signed up for. I know we didn't hit expectations, is what it is, but change had to be made. And yes. I also wanted to bring this up. You know, you know what? In Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. He lost to Louisiana Monroe, okay? <laughs> Not everyone's going to be freaking perfect in their first year, all right? I think there's a list. of. I wish I would have brought a, a, lo- a longer list rather than just bringing up Nick Saban. But um, you, Florida State, that's another one. They're undefeated this year. And the last two to three seasons prior to this, they were dog shit. Let's be real, all <laughs> right? They were middle of the pack, ACC, even lower than that. So, I think we need to pump. We do need to pump the brakes. I know this season sucks, but we need to pump the brakes on, you know, get rid of Fickle, Paul, Chris, Jim Leonard, yeah. hire him back now. Like that's needs to, that ship is sailed. We got to um, look forward to what Fickle can bring. One thing that I brought up on the Scary Alvarez show also was that Lou Holtz didn't win a single game his first year at South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. That's right. Um, Slim Lewis on YouTube said Badgers football gradually got soft over the last five years. I don't disagree. Uh, he said it'll take Fickle a few years to establish an entirely new culture. I believe he will. Thousand percent agree with that. Thousand percent. And then you mentioned McIntosh, and I want to bring this up because people are like, "Oh, well, the Wisconsin hockey team has a new coach, and they're not, you know, they're not sucking. They're number one. They didn't change literally everything else. They changed the coach. That's it. They're not changing literally everything they do on the field or on the ice in that in that aspect. And my thing is, is if you're going to credit McIntosh for hiring a new hockey coach, how you can think he's bad decision-making for hiring Fickle? Because it fits their narrative, that's why. If it's it fits their like narrative, you're literally they only be... chasing the record at that point. So you're like, okay, he can make a good choice by having a guy who has a team with a good record and make a bad choice by having a team with a – like it's the same dude making the choices. But... If... It fits their narrative, and they want to be pissed off about something. It can never yeah, be perfect. Yeah. But 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 let's say let's say in, in three years, right? In three years, the Badgers at this point are undefeated, and the hockey coach gets fired. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but what are those people going to say then? They're going to say, "Oh, I knew he was trash." Oh, I was all yeah, in on but no, from day yeah, one. But nobody's going to go back and check their receipts. That's what social yep. media has done to exactly. people. Yeah, yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to go first on something. I'm going to go first on this last one. The last question is what is an area you thought was the position of strength that is actually an area of opportunity for improvement? And I'm going to throw a position group out there and I'm going to say it's tight end. And I was excited. I was really excited. Uh, Reggie said two losses time to fire the women's volleyball coach. Just kidding. Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) how people act sometimes though. That's really, that's really how people act. But I'm going to say the tight end position 
because I felt like it was going to be a position of strength. Uh, Clay Cundiff, unfortunately, had to leave due to his injuries. A couple guys transferred out. Um, and then I was excited for Tucker Ashcraft and even Hayden Rucci, and it's been really tough going at the tight end position for the Badgers. Ashcraft has shown, shown some flashes, but both Ashcraft and Rucci have struggled with drops, fumbles. I mean, it's blocking. It's been pretty rough at the tight end position, so that one is really going to be probably the top of my list of positions to address in the transfer portal in 2024. But, uh, Mike, what is a, what is an area you thought was a position of strength that actually is an area for improvement? I, I know we have been plagued by injuries in this position, but I, I, I think being Wisconsin and being uh, the boys up north, I think it has to be acknowledged at least. Our rushing, our running back room definitely had a experience a tough year. I mean, going into this season, I mean, Braille and Allen was the one who really preached about, oh, I'm not going to have loaded boxes this year. This is going to be great. We're going to be running free every single game. You know, you see like the Buffalo game when Ches Malusi just goes off and then unfortunately he gets hurt. But, you know, we're, we, we're seventh in the Big Ten right now and rushing. The last couple of weeks, we've definitely struggled. It probably should be, might even be lower than that now at this point. But, um, no, it's definitely a step back from what we're accustomed to as fans. But at the same time, even if, you know, we, it's just so much inconsistency at that position. I get it. We're at Jackson Acre and Katie Akamelli now, and who knows who, who else is going to be in that backfield, I guess, for the next two, maybe three weeks. But um, it's definitely some, it's definitely a little bit of a disappointment in that running, running back room for sure, given with what we've done in years past. Jake, what do you think? I had a really hard time choosing between two. It was either offensive line or quarterback. And what I landed on was quarterback. Um, I had a lot of expectations for Tanner Mordecai. Um, hearing all these transfers that came in, I had a lot of expectations for them. Hearing about Braden Locke, you know, seeing all these high school records, it's quarterback for me. Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with Mike, you know, talking about the loaded boxes and stuff. I thought we were going to be slinging this thing all over the place. I mean, I didn't think we were going to be throwing freaking 15 deep bombs and completing them every game, but I definitely thought we would uh, be a little bit faster paced than we are at times. I thought we would take our five to seven yards every freaking play and then we would hand it off. And yeah, um, I thought it was going to be a, a lot better. Barry said, how about them men's Badger hockey? Men's and women's hockey. They're both doing fantastic. Reggie said, I'm ready for Evers. And he's going to be arguably the biggest X, X factor in this offseason. Because yeah. Jake has mentioned that having needing that dual threat guy. He's that physical talent. It's just going to come down to if he can get the mental side of it down. So going from what happened to what's happening, looking at the preview against Nebraska this weekend, Mike, who is the heart? Who do you think can take the torch and lead this team? So I went back to the fact, okay, we have two more weeks left in the season. And I think I made this really, really heavy. This is all about the seniors. I think in my view to finish out the season strong, I guess when you look at a guy with Hunter Waller, with what he said after that game, I don't know about you, I and I get it. I'm not in that situation. I'm not in that locker room. But I would take that to heart when Hunter Waller started to like, yeah, he like we might need to weed out some players, you know. And you know, if he's going to be the first guy to do that, I know Tanner also chimed in a little bit as well. But I'm looking forward to seeing some seniors step up, and specifically, I'm going with the in-state seniors too because this is going to be their last couple games for the year. So I'm talking to guy about guys like a CJ Getz. I'm yep. talking about Chimray DK. 
I'm yep. talking about Tatum Grass, who's in that linebacker room. Marty Stray, who's one of the captains yeah. on that team. Um, you know, I, I just picked out like the in-state guys, but I mean, that can also go for the other yeah. seniors playing too. But there's just a sense of pride, obviously, wearing the W. You hear that expression all the time as well. When you're, you know, you hear high school in-state kids all the time, like on their recruitments and stuff like that. Oh, it, I grew up watching the Badgers. It'd be such an honor to play for them. Just showing that sense of pride, I think you have to in these last couple of weeks. I mean, if you can't beat Nebraska, you do everything in your your power to just beat fucking Minnesota, right? Sorry, my language there, yeah. but we can't lose yeah. it in three years in a row. We just can't. Yeah. So I, I'm putting this on the in-state seniors specifically um, to right. you know carry that torch throughout the rest of the season here. Uh, Barry, for the Badgers to be bowl eligible, they need to win one more game. They need to have six wins. Yep. Um, Jake, who who are you? Who is the heart for you? Uh, and this this is a uh, we need the axe in Wisconsin. I agree with that, Barry. Who is the heart? The heart is Fickle, man. This, this is mm-hmm. this all boils down to Fickle. Um, he's the one that you know took this responsibility on. And I'm not saying that everything that happens on the field is his, his fault. I'm not one of those people that blames the coaches for the execution all the time. Although I do believe that is 50-50. I believe some yep. of it's on the coach and some of it's on the players, right? Which is the way it should be. Right. But Fickle needs to get these boys ready, right? And he talked about, you know, you know, we're, we're going to find out who wants to be here. Yep. That really, really sat with me. And if you – oh, my God. A guy like Fickle, man, he – you know, during his, his introductory uh, – inter, introduction uh press conference i was ready to run through a wall for for that man already if you don't want to play for this guy you got some damn problems um mike brought it up going through the motions no more of that i'm going to tell you something that i that that i tell all my teams right all my all my football teams you see somebody wearing a different colored jersey you hit their ass you understand me and then they're going to get up you're going to get to the next play you're going to hit their ass again you're going to keep hitting the shit out of them until they don't want to stand up. And then when they stand up again, they call hike. You're going to hit them again because eventually they're not going to like being hit. I don't care if they have the damn ball or not. You make them feel you. Hit them, okay? Plain and simple. Run through a goddamn wall if you have to. I'm sick and tired of this goddamn jogging shit, giving up runs on the outside, getting gashed up the damn middle, freaking 30-yard bombs. What the hell is this? Are we those Wisconsin Badgers or not? Hit somebody, man. Damn, that's all I got, man. I'm getting pissed off now. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna outsource this a little bit to to bring up uh, a clip actually from the scary Alvarez show that he had when he had Hunter Wohler on. I'm just gonna let this play. What are some of the biggest changes in the program that you've noticed since he took over? I mean the the, the biggest the, the biggest thing that really I've noticed is just the way he, the way he runs his business, um, the way he goes about what he does in his everyday life. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's very stern. Um, he expects a lot. There's a very high standard with him. Um, so there's, there's no, you know, there's, there's no messing around. It's, it's get in, get out. Like we're going to do our stuff. We're going to get it done and, and we're going to go home. Um, so he's, he's a very no BS kind of guy, which I love because he, he, he's going to tell you straight up, how he feels and, and what he's thinking and what you can do better. Um, and then just in terms of practices, it's been fast. It's been very fast. And I'm sure you've heard it from, you know, a lot of other players that have come on here, Ruchis and whatever. Um, 
it, it's been very, very fast. So it, it's hard to keep up with, um, but it's only getting us ready for, for the Saturdays in the fall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Co- Coach Fick's been a great coach. He, he was a great hire. Uh, I can't be more thankful that, you know, we got lucky with him. Um, so, like, like I said, I, I can't wait to get this season rolling. You're muted. You're muted, buddy. Yeah. I wanted to make sure there wasn't an echo. Um, Hunt, uh, Scary Alvarez had Hunter Waller on, like, back in August, I believe it was. And, you know, re-listening to it, it made me wonder if maybe Fickle is a little too intense and too demanding for some of the guys. And it's possible. Hearing no, Hunter- no, no. I think- These are grown men now. I, when, when you're 18, Jake, like, how many times do you call them college kids? They are student athletes. They are student athletes. Listen to me. Listen to me before. Hang on. They don't live with mommy and daddy no more. Okay. They, they drive their own car. They buy their own groceries. They wipe their own ass. They put their own pants on. At a certain point, you have to take the binky out of their mouth. I understand it, it's, it's a different perspective when you're ripping on them and going at them because they are still kids in a sense. Right. But at the same time, Setting standards and having standards for somebody is not a bad thing. Either you I, need I agree it or it's not you... a bad thing. But I'm saying, and I'm not saying that Fickle should tone himself down. I'm saying that's where Fickle is saying things like, we're going to find out who wants to be here. Yeah. So Hunter Wohler was my answer to this question of who is the heart. And what I would what I would ask of Hunter Wohler is double down on your comments. Oh, Hunter Wohler said, we're going to find out Everybody's give a shit factor this week. Okay. I would want Hunter Waller to look his teammates in the eye. And I said this on the scary Alvarez show. Yes. That came out yesterday too, is if you think Hunter Waller's comments are about you, they're about you. I agree. Even yep. if it's a, a 100%. on a scale of one to 10, if you think his comments are about you a little bit or a lot, it's about you. Even if, even if Hunter Waller didn't intentionally mean it to be about you, if it resonates with you even just a little bit that, Hey, I'm not doing, you know, a hundred percent on this, you know, I'm, I'm only given 50% in the weight room. I'm only given 50% in walkthroughs, like whatever it is. If you think it's about you, even just a little bit, it's about you. But when I say that I want Hunter Waller to double down on these things, I want him to do it from a position of wanting the people around him, his peers, his teammates, to be the best person that they can be. Not to say, hey, you're not doing enough and you should get your ass out of here. It's, hey, I know you can do more. So I'm going to hold you to that higher standard. Yeah, it's some players do take criticism differently as well, I guess. And I, I'm willing to bet Fick is Coach Fickle's experiencing that with some guys right now too, possibly. Maybe with that combined with, oh shit, I I didn't know I was walking into this. It could be, it could be, you know, stuff like that behind the scenes as well. But other, yeah, players, people take criticism differently. That's life in general too. So it's just finding that balancing act as well. I also try to, I'm wondering maybe did he let some stuff go throughout the year too, especially when you got somebody like Hunter Wohler saying, hey, like, Guys are going through the motions. We need to weed these players out now. He's saying this after week 10, right? So I'm just wondering, maybe is it possible just because it might be his first year, he wants to at least ease his way in like a year in or before he really like establishes his, you know, 
stamp, put, put a stamp on things, so to speak. So um, just um, a couple questions I've had going yeah. on in my head, I, I, I suppose. But. Yeah. Barry said it seems like the guys need more teamwork. That could be. I mean, there's a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. You know, it's possible. Um, but to that to that point, Mike, who is a player you think could step up in response to Hunter Wohler's comments? You know, I think leading by example, I I'm, I made this so se- senior heavy. So I got I got CJ Getz again on the defensive side of the ball, and I got Tanner Mord- Mordecai because I know for a fact those guys just being seniors, they can have like. I guarantee you they're going to at least have an impact on what they do um, with the players below them. So Tanner, he kind of like also piggybacked off a of hunter, like I said, and CJ gets, you know, he's been a pot, nothing but a positive role model from what we've seen. We've had him on the show. Yep. Obviously he was our first guest on here yep. um, and he's always conducted himself on the field in a pot in a positive manner. Nothing, you know, I mean, he's had a couple of really nice games for us this year too. So yep. I think, and especially with those guys, again, just closing out the year, getting a win against Nebraska and just and beating Minnesota. I mean, there's one thing, like I know the season didn't go well, but if there's one goddamn thing you need to do, it is beat Minnesota, beat your rival, end on a good note, get to a bowl game and earn one more. And hey, earn one more game that yep. possibly might be the last game of your life. So, I mean, just, you know, playing with, you know, that kind of mentality, I guess, because, you know, I don't, I don't see CJ, I, Love the guy, but I don't see CJ gets on any draft boards. I mean, Tanner, unfortunately, I don't. I'm up on the Steelers. Him. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, just there is no tomorrow mentality. I think those two guys will yeah. show, like, closing in. So, we'll go with that. Barry said you guys should try to get the coach on the show. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm sending emails. <laughs> That's the best I can do. Start um, with Collins, the strength conditioning. I bet he, yeah. he's, he's been on a few shows. Yeah, That's he was on Scary Alvarez too. Actually, his was in, was entertaining to watch and interesting. Uh, Jake, who do you think is a player that could step up in response to Hunter Waller's comments? Braylon Allen. Um, oh. You look at him uh, last year versus Illinois, and then you look at his game this year versus Illinois. Obviously, that was one that he said he had circled. So he seems like a guy that could self motivate himself and lead by example. So you got a guy. You know, I'm going to go back to his preseason stuff too. I'm mad that Mike brought it up before me, but, um, you know, he talked that he wasn't, he was going to face all these light boxes and he was just going to be running wild. And everybody was, uh, all kind of all in on Braylon Allen. Right. You know, in this new offense and teams are going to be flying around and he's going to get one-on-ones with DBs all day. And he's a guy that needs, he needs to come out and, and produce, right. And show that, listen, I'm buying into this. Everybody else needs to follow me. Cause he's one of the leaders on the team, like bar none. So everybody else follow, follows his lead. You know, everybody needs to buy in. That, that's that's the thing that nobody has said so far. But if you buy in to this, it'll work. Okay, yep. so let's let's buy in. Let's make this work. Let's let's pound the rock and let's fly around. So the one that came to mind for me was Skylar Bell. So we've seen Skylar Bell not only last year but also this year deal with some drops, and now we've seen over the last couple of weeks Vinny Anthony getting more playing time. So. I'm looking at Skylar Bell to say, hey, this guy is starting to take my snaps. I need to go take my snaps back, and I need to do things to make that so that I can't be taken off the field. Mm-hmm. Whether it's putting in more work in the practice, you know, to to strengthen his hands up, to, you know, just put more effort in practice, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying Skylar Bell doesn't do these things, 
but I'm saying he's a guy whose role has decreased over the last few weeks. Like I said, we've seen more Vinny Anthony. So Skylar Bell is a guy that I'm looking who could respond to Hunter Wallace's comments. Um, Slim said Braylon doesn't run hard all the time. He's one of the guys Waller's talking about. He won't be back next year. That's not a bad thing. Darian, du- Darian Dupree will thrive in Longo's offense. And that's that's an interesting question. Um, Reggie actually asked the same question, and Slim on YouTube un- unknowingly answered it. Is Braylon <laughs> Allen going to be back next year? If Malusi's back, Allen's back. Yeah. And where is he projected? Do we know where Braylon's projected right now? Just by like third, fourth round. Yeah, third, or fourth. third, fourth round, like late day two, early day three. Yeah. At this point, I, I think I even said it early, a couple weeks ago. I yep. thought day three, I thought he was a day three guy right now. So yeah. don't take my, don't take my word for it, obviously. But I mean, unfortunately, whether it's due to injury or production, I just don't see him going first or even second round in my maybe third, I guess. But yeah. I mean, there hasn't been too much convincing uh, in, in my view. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting if he does stay. I mean, if Malusi stay, obviously those two are boys. So they've probably had the conversation already. Um, Barry, he'd definitely opinion. get drafted because of just his body type and the way that he can run yeah. for his body type. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, I think at, at best, he's probably a late third round pick. Yep. So let's talk Wisconsin versus Nebraska. Mike, uh, who is a matchup that you're watching? So it's no secret uh, what Nebraska want, wants to do. They want to run the ball. Uh, they're first in the Big Ten uh, with 185, 186 yards per game. Um, you know, between their quarterback and running back, kind of like a dual threat type scenario. Jeff Sims was a quarterback last week for the most part, but their other quarterback, Henrik Herberg, he's got 483 rush yards this year. Uh, Sims has got close to 200 as well, but it's more so of like the dual threat concept with like the quarterback and the running back working together. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Nebraska run game versus our front seven and how we're going to hold up. Essentially, if we can stuff the run, we're going to be right there in this ball game, plain and simple. Jake, what's the matchup that you're watching? <laughs> I'm a real, real cliche. I'm not going to lie to you. It's them versus themselves. How many games this year have we beat ourselves? Turning the ball over, offensive penalties, putting ourselves in a hole early, uh, you know, letting teams get, you know, 17-point leads, 10-point leads in the first quarter. It's the Badgers versus themselves. Um, After everything that has happened this this last week, the last couple weeks, they need to figure this shit out, and they need to figure it out now. And Nebraska, I'm sorry, you might become Wisconsin's punching bag again. I'm yeah. jealous you said that. That was a great answer, Jake. <laughs> that you. was a great answer. I, I should have gone first. Because <laughs> mine is Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle versus his players. Oh. Uh, Fickle took responsibility for not having the team ready. Uh, Hunter Waller said that the last two games are 100% on the players. So – looking at fickle versus the players how do they come together and respond i like it that's what i'm watching damn those are really good answers you guys got <laughs> better on critical the thinking mike like Dude. Thinking. <laughs> uh what a trio we make this week a lot of good stuff coming out uh mike what is your key to the game 
I I keep harping on this just for the specific week, but it you know I, I'm harping on the senior leadership again. I want to see you guys like Tanner McAvoy. Ah, Jesus, wow, Tanner Mordecai. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, that dude was an athlete. Um, but I'm looking for Tanner Mordecai to rebound and, and have a great week. I mean, I I wrote down like what's one thing you want to see from the offense that we might we're gonna address. I want to see a deep ball tutty going to somebody like a deep ball. You know, something like that that we haven't really seen for the most part. Obviously, we had the Bryson Green crossing route. He went for 70, but that's not necessarily like a deep ball, right? If you want to count, I think, yeah, Will Pauling's, I guess, that he had with against Illinois, I suppose. But I want to see have a few. I want to have I want to see Tanner Mordecai throw a deep ball touchdown in the in this game. We're going to have the opportunity to do so. Um you know, Nebraska, they, they focus on stuffing, uh, stopping the run. They're second in run defense. That's going to, in my view, that's going to hopefully bring up some opportunities in the past because if they stop our run, which they are inclined to do so versus the Big Ten this year, I think we might have some opportunity doing that. So I would love to see Tanner Mordecai, especially his last game at Camp Randall, even though it's for a short stint to, um, you know, just ha- have the day of his life. I know we're talking about young guys, you know, coming up through the system, but I do know they're, they are going to start Tanner. And I think he would, lo- I'm sure he would love to go off into the sunset at Camp Randall with a, his last game here and just have a good game. So I'm looking for him to bounce back. Jake, what's your key to the game? So we've kind of been uh, tearing them down, uh, analyzing them. My key is to have fun. It's a game, you know, and I, if, if you have a chance, go listen to the, the Scary Alvarez podcast. I actually said the same answer uh, on there, but just have fun. Um, I know that, you know, we're going to find out what kind of men we have, you know, and I've said a bunch of things. We've all said a bunch of things, but at the end of the day, it's still a game, right? So go out there, have some fun, knock some people out, make them swallow their their mouth guards. I mean, make them shit their pants. I don't know what you want to do, but just hit people, have some fun, fly around. Let's play some football, baby. So I'm just going to echo that sentiment. My key to the game is attack the ball every single play. Yep. 100% effort, 110% effort every single play. Both sides of the ball. I like it. That's my key. Mike, what is your score prediction from the head? So this all being said... I still think this is going to be an ugly, ugly ass game. Unfortunately, Unfor- this team hasn't shown any promises 10 weeks in of playing clean, clean ball at all. I'm going to be as real as I can here. I got 14 to 13 Badgers from the head. Cool. I have a close game predicted as well. Scary Alvarez asked Jake and I what we thought about the Nebraska game. And I said, I want to say I'm expecting a shit show Yeah, in the yeah. best way. It could end up being a good yeah. football game that way, but it's going to be a Big Ten football game. I have 20 to 17 badges. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Tyler, my score is very close to yours. I have 19-17. All right. Let's go 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Mike, what's your score prediction from the heart? Yeah, I'm close to you guys on that. I got 20 to 14, uh, Wisconsin. You know, we averaged 22.1 points per game this year. And a lot of that came from Buffalo and Georgia, Georgia Southern and Georgia State or whatever. We just haven't shown any signs of life, even against the Big Ten in general, that we can score a lot of points with this current team that we have right now. So I did not I did not want to go above 20. I don't feel comfortable 
I mean, Purdue's the only one, I guess. Yeah. But 20 to 14 from the heart. So I also have Nebraska scoring 14 from the heart, but I have Badger scoring 35. Whoa. 35 to 14. It is time to make a statement that we are not the team that you've seen the last two weeks. That's where my prediction from the heart comes from. Barry said, I hope it's going to be a, a it's going to, I have hope it's going to be a second half win. Okay. Well, I kept the same score for Nebraska, but I went a little bit higher on Wisconsin. I have 24 17 Wisconsin. <clears throat> All right. Anything else you guys want to say about football? We got a couple basketball games to talk about. Uh, go win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's switch to basketball. We'll start with the Tennessee game. Kind of got some different vibes, even though both of these were losses. Definitely different vibes from these losses. So, um, Mike, as we usually do, being as you're the guest on here uh, with the Badger stuff, I'll let you go first. Talk about the Badgers defending the paint. Yeah, so this is definitely one of my things that um, it, go, it was one of my points that I was going to talk about, I think, regardless, not even just for this game, but for the season, because this has been a problem since last year, right? This was an issue. Again, unfortunately, we gave up 48 points in the paint to Tennessee. Uh, what was the other stat I had here? Oh, yeah. Once we made like, or no, we, okay, two minutes. Oh, yeah. So before the Badgers started fouling uh, with two minutes left in the game, like when it was close, like, closer or whatever <laughs> Tennessee got more than one third of their shots from around the rim. That is absolutely awful, right? They could basically get whatever they wanted down there. I mean, Dalton Kinnett, our, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. 24 points, five boards. He, the guy could literally get to the cut to the hoop whenever he wanted to. There was nobody that could guard him one-on-one. -on -one. That was clear as day. Um, but I'm, Talking about the, point here, the, the pain here, but no, that that's a that's one of the best players in the country. That's first team all. If, if he's not first team all American, he's second team all American. If he's not conference player of the year, he's number two. He's yeah. top ten player in the country. I guarantee you that. That's yeah. one. Of the, he was one of the smoothest operators that I've seen in college ball in a while. So you know who he reminds can't... me of? He reminds me of Daniel Gallinari a little bit. Oh yeah. Okay. He's like kind of like a little bit oversized shooter, and his height being you know to his advantage, and he's smooth from anywhere. I like the comparison. I would say Gallinari with a better handle because that motherfucker yeah, could be able to do it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, the guy could get whatever he wanted. I mean, Wisconsin, though, like I said, giving up points in the paint has been an issue for him. 48, that is way too many. Got to yeah. cut that down. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. That was um, number what one. What about free throws? Story of our life with it, with this team, I think. Um, it's different, but this is kind of what they picked up from last year. 14 to 23, not yeah. good. With the finals, 80 to 70. And even like you, you make it even a few, like, even make three or four more of those. Like at the time, the game would have been a lot closer. I mean, yes, we there was times when we cut it to four to six, but and then Tennessee bounced back. But I mean, if you even that second half. I don't. I don't want to pick on him too too much, but I mean, Tyler Wall was a lot of a lot of that, especially down the line when he tried to take the game over himself in certain situations. And I honestly think he got gassed when he did get fouled and did get to the free throw line. And I think that did lead to him missing a, a good chunk of those free throws. But I mean, it is a team game. Can't have nine missed free throws. It's been an issue. I don't want it to be an ongoing issue this season, but unfortunately, that might be part of it. But 
Uh, well, no, we'll see when we get to the next game. game. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It is what it is. It, it's a game-by-game yeah. game basis. But I'll, yeah. I'll go because my, one of mine is finish at the rim. Jake, did you want to say something about that before we – I just wanted to say about free throws, the thing in college that hurts is when you miss the front end of a one-on-one. That's what really burns. At least make the first one, dude. Yikes. So my first thing is finishing at the rim. So the free throws get a lot of attention, but Wisconsin missed at least, at least six makeable shots at the rim. That's what I counted in my notes. At least six shots at the rim that they – I think are makeable shots. And Mike brought up, they only lost by 10 with nine missed free throws. Even if they make all nine, you still lose by a point. But you look at six missed bunnies, that's 12 points. They make those, they win by two. So my second one is second chance points allowed. It felt like every time the Badgers got close, like Mike mentioned, they got within four and six. They kept the game within single digits, basically the entire second half until the end of the game. They felt like every time they got close, they gave up second chance points. So looking at fundamental failures, they had the nine missed free throws. They gave up 11 second chance points and 14 points off turnovers. That's 34 fundamental failure points. That's that's high. In a game they lost by 10 points, that's tough. So, I mean, you combine the second chance points allowed and the free throws, and that's that's a game the Badgers could have won. Um, So that's the thing is, you know, we've talked about it, that the Badgers are never going to, you know, they're never out of a game. Because they are capable of winning any game. It's just they need to put it all together. So, Jake, talk about the three-point shooting. Man, this has been an Achilles heel for this team for a while. And the thing about the three-point shooting that I want to make a point about is when we had Johnny Davis a couple of years ago, it was kind of like, here, take the ball and then find somebody wide open, and then they're going to they're gonna make the shot. And then you're just going to continue to get to the rim and just make everybody's life easier. Yep. I feel like they're trying to do that with AJ Store, and that is—I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna sound like I'm babying him a little bit. That is completely unfair for AJ Store. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Chucky Hepburn has been in this system for three years now. I'm not even gonna start ripping into other people that I want to rip into who've been in this program, played, you know, 60, 70, 80. Tyler Walls played over 100 games. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of that. And right. you're you're gonna you're gonna hand the, all the offensive responsibilities to AJ Store, who just got here. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I understand that Connor Sejan is hurt right now, and that's really killing our three point shooting because he's really the guy that can just get on fire and make four or five in a row. Yeah. Like he really has that potential. Yeah. But you know, in this game specifically, he took one three point shot in 11 minutes. We need to call plays for him to shoot threes. Yeah, He needs to be shooting at least seven threes a game. I feel like that number – no, I'm not even kidding, dude. You have a guy – listen. When he's healthy, maybe. Yeah, listen. Hepburn, sometime shooter. Klesmit, yeah. sometime shooter. Yeah. Storm, sometime shooter. Crowell, rare shooter. You have a guy in Connor Season who is the shooter. He that's, needs to be shooting those no shots. That's what he brings, yeah. So the three-point shooting is something that could definitely improve. Making six out of 24, that's 25%. You're not beating top 10 teams. I don't give a shit where you're playing them. You could be playing in your damn house. You're not not winning that damn game. So the three-point shooting needs to be better. And I'm just going to go again right away. Is that cool? Yep. Yep. Perimeter defense. Holy crap, dude. And 
I agree with Mike that Dalton, that guy, oh, boy, oh, boy, was that guy cooking, dude. He's he's fun to watch, dude. Eight yes, of 15, dude. He was getting to the midi. He was getting to the rim. I mean, dude, he's, he was dunking on people earlier this season, too. Not on the Badgers, thankfully, dude. but. Dude, he yeah. does like back scratcher two handers. And I'm like, Woof, this is a different kind of white boy. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, perimeter defense, you know, it was a problem. You know, when we get into the next game, we're going to talk about it too. But you cannot allow a dribble drive that easy, guys, because everything breaks down at that point. Tyler and I have talked about it plenty of times with the Bucs. Uh, yep. You know, ability to get into the paint and open shooters up that could help. You know, the the three point shooting, but it's hurting our defense by allowing them to get in there. Um, it's also making us a lot softer in the paint. To Mike's point, you know, allowing a guard to get into the paint and kind of focus all the attention on them, you have everybody wide open now. So we need to. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it this way. We need to nut up on defense, and we need to start making our open three pointers because we are making life far too hard on ourselves. I will say, too, real quick, Tennessee, I want to give props to Tennessee's coach, too, because especially yeah. in that second half, when we cut it to four to six points, it had to have been at least three to four times in that in that second half. Rick Barr, like, immediately on that next possession, they knew exactly where to go, where to expose us, and they got, like, it was like a quick bucket, too. Like, like and really, the first 20 seconds when they brought the ball down, they knew exactly who to expose defensively. There's times when a siege got absolutely torched. Store got picked on, so a, a bunch. Because I don't, I just don't think he's got a feel for our defense quite yet. But they respond. The response by by Tennessee, like immediately, as soon as we cut it to four or six, that was absolutely like dealt with, like immediately. So quick shout out to yeah the coaching staff too, because they knew what what to do. <laughs> yeah. So Jake, talk about the the physicality and taking the lead against Providence. <sighs> Who brought this up? Who brought this up that uh, – was it Slim? Was it my boy Slim talking about how the Badgers football got soft? I'm going to tell you right now. Nothing pisses me off more than watching my teams get punched in the freaking mouth and they don't respond. That is part of sports. It could be basketball, baseball, football. People are going to take big swings. They're going to try to throw a knockout punch. That does not mean you lay on the ground. Providence took it to us last night. They saw us get off the damn bus. They saw us warm up. They looked at us. They said, I'm going to hit you in your chest. And there ain't shit you're going to do about it. And we didn't do anything about it. And it starts with our bigs down low. Good God, I'm sick and tired of being soft down on the post. Hit somebody, man. I mean, I'm not advocating for hurting somebody, but if you have to push somebody over, push somebody over, man. I mean, look at, look at 13. I don't even know the center's name on Providence. That guy was chucking people. What the heck was his name? Hopkins. Hopkins. He literally tossed Tyler Wall. Tossed him. But let me tell you something. That's a mentality thing, man. And we don't have it right now. I do not want to watch us get punched in the mouth and then, and then fold. I'm sick and tired of that shit. Honest to God. I've been talking about it with the Packers defense for 10 years now. We got to punch back. Because it, this shit is getting out of control. You want to be a you want to be the top ten team. Obviously, I just talked about the perimeter defense and the three point shooting. You want to be the Providence team with a brand new coach and all these new players and they're shooting threes. They're running up and down the court. You got to be able to take a pounding. You got to be able to punch back. That's what I saw last night. And then, my God, uh, my next one is, is take the lead, right? And I kind of touched on it with AJ Store. 
you know, Hepburn, bro, like you lost all this weight, you're looking quicker. He's got the ability. Why is he not just taking over? I don't understand. I don't understand that. And that could be a mentality thing, too. You know, the thing that I will say about Tyler Walks, I'm going to stick up for him for a second, is at least he tries to take over the games. He tries to go down there and battle. He's a little undersized, you know, especially against the seven-footers and stuff. He's undersized a little bit. I know he's 6'9", but um, Crowell, though, man. Oh, my God, bro. I'm, I'm not so talking about Crowell, so I'll get there. I know, I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have him, but I'm done with that big, goofy guy. But A.J. Store, A.J. Store looks like like if you could take Klezman's mentality, because I, I believe that Klezman has a dog mentality, and you give him A.J. Store's 6'7 body, Jumping ability, that's a dog. The Badgers need to figure out who is the leader, who's the guy that they got to follow. Somebody's got to grab this goddamn team by the nuts and say, "You fall, everybody follow me. Because they don't have one of those right now. It was Johnny Davis when he it was, was here. Johnny Davis. There was 100%. no goddamn doubt about yep. that. Johnny Davis said, I'm the man. This is yep. my team. We don't have one of those guys right now. And it needs to be Hepburn. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mike, what about what's going on with the difference in the offense, and and then talk about John Blackwell? You know, it was crazy because even against like Tennessee, we had our moments when we looked like on point. We were getting good shots, and then we go get to Providence. We it seems like when teams really just like punch us in, in the mouth, we kind of just sit there and take kind of like what Jake was was ta- talking about. We have to like battle back, right? So. I couldn't. I could not believe like the space. The spacing just looked way way off. Um, it seems like everything. Yeah, I wrote this down. Seems like everything just went to shit once we really got punched in the mouth. And it was really within that first two to three minutes where it was just like, like we're not going to respond. We're we're not going to respond at all. Like we're we're relying on guys. Like you said it Chuck, with Chucky, like Big Steve, Tyler Wall. Where are where are you? Like to go off of that. We were what was it seven of twenty seven of twenty from our shots. We we missed. We were seven of twenty from shots at the rim, which is absolutely terrible. Should be double that. Yeah, that is absolutely. But again, going like this is stuff. This is shit from last season that we're we're dealing with now again. And you know, Greg Gard called two specific people out, like two people out specifically. That you gotta finish, and who is he talking? We know who he's talking about, so um, yeah, it's kind of like going into my goals for for next week. But um, and know your limitations too. That's another part I wanted to go into this because I I hate to p- pick up pick on him again, but you know when you're down 15 in the second half, right, and you're one of the worst shooters like on, on your team, you probably should not be taking chucking threes um, as one of your shots you should be taking. So I'm talking to like guys like Tyler Wall who. You do play hard. That is something that I will always stick up for him in that regard. But you need to know your surroundings. You need to know your limitations of what you can actually do. He's not a three-point. He's just not a three-point shooter. That just, you know, predicates more into, you know, you need to know your limitations. and Whether it's spacing and all that shit all put together, we just look so disjointed. I think a lot of it had to do with getting punched in the mouth. And with the schedule that we got, we might – we're probably going to experience that a couple more times. I mean, that's just the reality of it. We yep. play Virginia on Monday. We play at Arizona. We get Marquette. We play at Michigan. Well, we do eventually play at Michigan State, but we get Michigan State at home, I believe, this first time. But anyway, a lot of good competitions coming in. 
if this is how we're going to play when we get teams like punching us in the mouth like this, it we it might be a long season. But it's one of those things, too, kind of where they play up and down to their competition. Because like that Tennessee game, like they hung around with Tennessee and then yeah. they, they get blown up by Providence. So, yeah. And I guess like going into like, cause I want to make this positive, right? The one positive I got to give John Blackwell a shout out. I mean, we called it out in the chat last yeah. night. Um, you know, he scored the first, what was it? I got this. Uh, thank you. First seven of nine points in the game. As soon as he came and I was shocked when I said in the chat, like, Holy, you John Blackwell's got some stones because, and I said that because literally within <laughs> the first 15 to 20 seconds, it was rocket yep. fire. So that's yep. why I said that. I'm like, Holy crap. But no, He's been the bright spot of this team so far. You could argue, like, the biggest surprise. When we were talking about the freshmen this year, I mean, I'll be the first to admit the least that we – I don't want to say the least that we talked about was John Blackwell, but I think the least hyped – we'll say that. We'll say the least hyped, I would say, was John Blackwell. So he was the one guy – he was plus four, plus four. Everybody else is in the negative category. So it was was a bright spot. Yeah. So that, that was great. Um you know, Greg Gard talked about it too. His ability to move without the ball is great, and I think that ties into being very aggressive and bringing the bringing the energy too. And I said in the chat again, he brought the freaking energy, and I wasn't even close in comparison to anybody else, in yeah. my view, anyway. So huh. it's good to see. Yeah, I I, I know, but it, it just stuck out like the most. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to him. He's definitely one of my goals for next week too but no he deserves okay. a shout out because not he didn't necessarily keep us in the game but he was he definitely you know showed a lot of bright spots and yeah. a, a lot of negative ass plays so what i'll say is um, i'll i'll say the quote greg guard called out tyler wall and stephen crowell for not finishing in the paint he said that john blackwell and nolan winter are playing harder yeah so one of my two things to talk about is Stephen Crowell. And one of my things about Stephen Crowell, and this is, you know, anything else that comes from the offense, which on the subject of the offense, the ball needs to move way faster. That ball goes into the paint and it's a black hole. And then, you know, I'm sure they don't wonder why, but if you're wondering why they get doubled, it's because the ball goes in and it takes four seconds before it moves anywhere. And then it's a lot of dribbling and a jump hook. Oh, we need we need a scenario where the Badgers are moving the ball quicker. Get the ball in, make a move, or get the ball back out. Swing it around, swing it back around, get it back in, make your move. The ball just it needs to move quicker. And on the subject of Stephen Crowell, if you're catching the ball on the three point line, act like you're a threat. We know yeah. Stephen Crowell can shoot threes and make them. Stop catching with your body turned fucking sideways from the basket. Yeah. Face the basket in a triple threat position. Make it look like you're going to shoot the three because you are capable of shooting the three. The yeah. dude is sitting in the paint. At least pump fake like you're going to think about shooting it because that's just letting them pack the paint. And that's one of the reasons that Chucky Hepburn can't get going. That's one of the reasons that AJ Storr despite having 22 points last night and playing very well in the first game of the season, it's a struggle for him too. He can't get any mid-range shots because there's a big-ass center sitting in there because Stephen Crowell is not looking like he's going to be a threat on the three-point line. Face the basket and have the ball in the triple threat position 
like you are actually willing to even think about shooting the three because we know you're capable of it. We've seen him make threes. He's made clutch threes in years past. Act like you are a threat when you catch the ball on the three-point line, not with your body facing the sideline. Face the basket, then you can look for your passing lanes. At least make a guy think that you are thinking about it. Man, hey, good call out. I like that. Yeah. Good call out. The other thing is defense. The defensive effort over the last two minutes of the game was great. Over the last two minutes of the game, they looked like they were playing defense on the level that Providence played it for the entire first half. Where was that the entire game? Because it showed, like I said, over the last two minutes, where was that the whole game? It showed that you're capable of it. You need to do it. And my thing with this is the Badgers' depth is there. This team is deeper than it was last year. So in my mind, it's uh, a little bit of a uh, a perception change from last year to this year where the Badgers were only like seven deep last year. This year, they, they can go nine or ten deep. So put all your effort in there. Come out of the game for a couple minutes. Then go back and put in 100% effort. It's not something where you need to kind of like you know, watch your gas tank because you have to play the whole game. You can get subbed out for a couple of minutes, get your wind back, and then go back and play hard again. Yeah. And that's where, like a guy, look again, like a guy like Chucky Hepburn. We have uh, not just Kamari McGee, who we thought was going to be the primary backup point guard, but John Blackwell looks great. Does. Chucky, go play super hard for six minutes come out for three, and then go play hard for another six minutes and come out for another three, John Blackwell is there giving you the effort to keep that effort level up. And and same goes for Stephen Crowell and for Tyler Wall. Nolan Winter and Carter Gilmore are working their asses off. Carter Gilmore might have been at some points our best player last night. At some points. Very limited points. Small parts. He, He tries and he cares. He That's works. why I always he love works. Carter Gilmore. He's, I'll say this. Carter Gilmore is the hardest worker on the team so far through the first three games. I'll say that. that comfortably. I'd agree to that. Um, so the, the depth is there for the Badgers this year. Every position, the Badgers have a guy that can come in and spell the starters for a couple minutes. And when Connor or when yeah, when Connor Seijin is healthy, that's only going to further that point. Yep. So play hard because the depth is there. You don't have to save your energy for the second half you have guys that can that can come in and give you a rest so that said the badgers play friday against robert morris and monday at virginia like mike brought up so mike what are your two goals for those two games i'm gonna make this more so player related uh because i think a couple definitely need a kick in the ass and and this is kind of like an if thing but if healthy, and we still don't know, and this is, it's actually really interesting because in Greg Gard's press conference after the game, in regards to Connor Siegen, he said, you'll have to ask him in regards to his injury, so to speak. So I'm curious as to what is actually going on. If he's healthy, great. We, but point being, if he's healthy, we need Connor Siegen to step up and make, mm-hmm. make some threes. Um, he was the cat. He was definitely, he helped us win a bunch, a bunch of, our games that we won last year with his three point shooting. And if we're going to have a successful season, we are going to need him. There's no, and if, if, however the hell you say it. And if, there we go. All right, there we go. Uh, No, we we need him. And if they want, if they're going to save him for conference play, I hope they don't. 
Um, but if he's, we, we need him, we need him to produce, I guess. And my other thing is we, we need a response and I'm calling out Tyler and Steve because that's who coach card called out last night, nine years of experience. We need those two to make a print, not just, you know, points, rebounds, you know, whatever that is what it is. But when Jay, when you talk about physicality, we need them to somewhat establish a physicality, like, like going forward, we play fucking Virginia on Monday, man. Those do, those are some brick shit houses, and you know if there's a team that's going to be physical, it's going to be a Bennett-led team in uh, yeah. in Virginia. So I'm, we need to, you know, our physicality. I know as Jake kind of talked about, that needs to be better too, specifically with Tyler and Steve down there. Not that Tyler doesn't try, but we need to, you know, perfect, start not to perfect it, but we need to get better. And as senior leaders, we, that's your expectation too. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it for, what, three years it feels like now that we wanted to see Stephen Crowell put on muscle. Um, yeah. Both of my points kind of tie into what Mike just said. My first one is to get better on the rebounds. So I talked about second chance points. Uh, the Badgers did only give up seven second chance points against Providence. They did give up 15 points off turnovers. The Badgers didn't miss any free throws against Providence, though. Hmm. So only 22 fundamental failure points. So if there is one positive takeaway from Providence game, they were a little bit better on their fundamentals. That said, they need to rebound better. And my second thing, my second goal for the Badgers is to up their intensity. Like I said, with the defense, we saw over the last two minutes that they, they, they can up the intensity. They are capable of it. You need to see it for a full 40 minutes. So those are my two goals for the next week. Jake, what are your two goals for the Badgers? So I talk about taking the lead. My first, my first goal, Chucky, take the damn lead. This is your team. Last night, Chucky Hepburn had zero assists. Your point guard had zero assists. You know what? I'm going to say on that, the Badgers need to get closer to the basket. So they many do. of their perimeter passes were four feet outside the three-point line. I agree. I agree with that. Um, a lot of things need to change. Uh, Tyler Wall, another guy who's a great playmaker as a power forward. Zero assists. Chucky needs to make sure that everybody's touching the ball. Everybody's comfortable. They need to run more plays for Max Klesman because that guy is a hooper. Um, He's not an outstanding player. He's not the most talented guy. He gives you 100% effort, and he's a guy that can knock down shots. So they need to call some plays for him, Uh, especially going to his left, going to the rim. He's a great finisher with his left hand. But Chucky, take the lead. My next one, you guys literally go to school with a football team, right? You see them, what they're going through, 80% through the season as they're trying to find their identity and they're talking about going through the motions and not playing hard and not buying into the system. Don't do that. Fix it now, okay? There's a lot of problems that happen with the Wisconsin Badgers football team between penalties and blah, blah, blah. We went through it all, right? The Badgers basketball team has their problems. Take accountability, figure out what it is, and fix it now. Because this is not the schedule to fuck around. God, yeah, that right. Especially over the next three weeks, yeah. All right. Anything else you guys want to say on the Badgers before we say goodbye to Mike for the week? Should Just be good. good. Big weekend. We got we got to get after it. Got to get a couple dubs. I would, Desperate I would over love here. three Ws between now and next Wednesday. I would love it. Yes. What a different episode we'd have next week, huh? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. We're back. Tell the world we're back. We're back, baby. We back up, baby. We back up. <laughs> All right, Mike, we will see you next Wednesday then. Have a good Sounds one. Sounds good. Later, fellas. Later, buddy. All right, so me and you, we got some Bucks basketball games to rip through quick. 
So yep. starting with our power pair and underrated performer, a uh, little spoiler alert, maybe have some news coming on the underrated performer segment in the next couple weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, that said, Jake, who is your power pair and underrated performer? So power pair, I went with Giannis and Chris Middleton, the dynamic duo. Uh, Giannis this last week, he averaged 34.75 points. He had 35 points in three straight games. Uh, 10.5 rebounds, 4.25 assists. That number definitely needs to go up. Um, and he shot 62%. His uh, field goal percentage was 62%, so that's nuts. Uh, Giannis was definitely uh, taking names. He also had one shitty re- uh, ejection. So I'm sure Dude, we'll, talk we'll, about we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in the Pistons game. Uh, Chris Middleton, um, the the all-time X factor for this Bucks team is always going to be Chris Middleton. Um, I believe I 100% believe that Dame will figure it out. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that I, too. I believe that Griffin will figure it out. Uh, but Chris Middleton is the X factor. He's the guy that will take us from like a title contender to title favorites, in my opinion. So Chris Middleton averaged 14 points, 2.6 rebounds, 4.3 assists. He did shoot 54% from the field, and he shot 33% from the three-point line. I love Chris's ability to shoot the three, but I wish he would just shoot mid-range. Not that he's bad three-point shooter. I'm not saying that, but he is deadly from the mid-range. He's he's assassin from mid-range so far this year. He looks if super he would, comfortable. If he would stick to mid-range, and I'm saying this from like a, a a player standpoint of Chris Middleton, his legs aren't all the way back. The mid-range doesn't take as much lift. He's killing from there, right? You can yeah. still get assists to Giannis. You can still find Brooke Lopez. Still find your three-point shooters. Just kill from the mid-range from now until your legs feel comfortable. That's all I'm asking. That's fair. Marjan was my underrated performer. He averaged seven points, 3.75 rebounds, uh, 1.25 assists. He shot 42% from the field and 27% from the three-point line. Kind of an up-and-down week for him. He still made an impact. He still got long arms, still a good defender. I've never seen him jump off one foot. I don't know if that's something that you've ever noticed. But, like, when he's, like, in the fast break or he goes to the rim, like, he always power dribbles two feet. He so I think one of his things is he likes to try to finish on the opposite side of the rim because like I don't know if he has like some fear of getting chased down blocked. Yeah, but he he always seems to try to go to the opposite side of the rim of where the the nearest defender is. Right, I'm like, uh, <clears throat> but Marjan is going to be a very important player in the next couple weeks. But who's yours, buddy? So I have Bobby Portis. He averaged 15.3 points, 7.3 rebounds. He was 50% from the field, 35% from three, 90% from the free throw line. So, very, very good week for Bobby Portis. Uh, Pat Connaughton is my other one, my other power pair player. I want to give Pat Connaughton some love. The first game with no Jay Crowder, Pat Connaughton had seven points, eight rebounds, and five assists. Yeah, he was balling. That's a a fucking Pat Connaughton stat line right there that you look at it and be like, damn, this dude's important. Yeah, agreed. Um, He was 40% from the field, 25% from the three, which I think will get better, uh, and 86% at the free throw line. Oh, and I'll talk more about that. I'll talk more about him in some individual games, as well as my underrated performer, which is Andre Jackson Jr., making his first appearance in the underrated performer segment. Uh, four points and five points in the last two games, had three rebounds in both of them. But his defense and hustle, boom, way, way, way up. I love Andre Jackson Jr. getting on the floor because he plays at 100 miles per hour everywhere he goes, and I love it. The defense plays at a different speed when he's on the court. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's do this Bucks and Pistons game. 
what stood out to you from this one? Save the ejection for the end because we'll, we'll okay. both talk about that. So minus the ejection, everything else, what stood out? Well, the Pistons have a lot of young talent, as they should. Uh, a lot of shot makers, as they should. They have a good coach. They paid a lot of money for him. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the thing that, that really stood out to me was, first of all, Damian Lillard just went into freaking God mode in the, in the fourth quarter, 18 <laughs> of his 34 in the fourth quarter. And Brooke Lopez in back-to-back games, going back to last week, um, had game-saving blocks. Yeah. And one of the most hype three-pointers I think I'll ever see from a That was awesome. When he hit that, I was literally watching, and I stomped my feet on the floor, and I laughed, and I giggled like a little girl, and it was amazing. And I was like, oh, my freaking God, he made that. Like, he just lumbers up the floor, stops at 35 feet, and just said, fuck <laughs> you. I'm like, what? And you get the, like, the most satisfying swish sound, and it's just like, oh, that's the sound of Detroit fans crying. Oh. <laughs> right? Like, it was it was no rim, just all yeah, that. Just it was the like perfect swish sound. And then he's, you're like, yeah, that is a monster from a mountain of a man, right? Um, you know, Jay Crowder was good in this one as well. Bobby Portis was freaking cooking in the first half. So Bro, much second goes. quarter, he had 13 yeah. points in the second quarter, dude. When he did that one move where he did the fake spin, pivot, oh, fadeaway, I have that clipped. I'm gonna bring it. I have I it clipped. I said, oh hell no. Hell no, they ain't stopping him Bro, right now. And he's looking at people on the sideline, and he's like – He said – I was like, you're allowed to do that after you do that, bro. Like, he falls over and everything. He destroyed that guy. That was a <laughs> so crazy nasty. move. He was so decisive. The bench didn't play very good in this one. That's something that stuck out to me because they've been pretty consistent. Uh, the bench minus Crowder and, and Portis had 19 points, three rebounds, four assists. They were 6 of 15 and 109 from the three-point line. So, Oof. we – we can gain a little bit more um, consistency from the others, as people like to call them. Uh, I think that'll that'll help some things. The Bucks defense played really, really hard for for long stretches in this one. I believe. Yeah. Um, just after the Giannis injection, and everybody wants to talk about it. Oh, the Pistons came back. They took the lead, hitting three pointers. Like that's a hard mentality thing to get over, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm glad they responded and they won. That was a great thing to see. So. I'm going to leave the floor to you, and we'll get talking about some key plays. So, Damian Lillard hasn't been given enough credit for his driving ability. Yep. So, when we talked about Damian Lillard, a lot of the things that came up was just that, you know, he's this great three-point shooter. He's the takeover guy. And even though I brought it up, like, we still didn't talk about his free throws enough. And one thing we really didn't talk about enough was his driving to the hoop ability, which is how he gets a lot of his free throws. Mm -hmm. So, I wanted to bring that up. Second quarter, um, Brooke Lopez made his first three, and you brought up his last three. So he made his first and last three. His first one in the second quarter gave him 800 career three-pointers. It did. So the Bucks, after the ejection, they kind of reeled a little bit. They went into the fourth quarter, down by five points. Detroit scored in their first possession of the fourth quarter, so they were down seven. Um, nine minutes and eight seconds, Damian Lillard three starts the takeover. The Bucks go zone. They get a steal right away, so they're down 10 at the 621 mark. Then they're down 5 at the 530 mark. Then they're down 1 at the 2-minute mark. And then Damian Lillard gives the Bucks a 1-point lead with 105 to go. Brooke Lopez hits that super deep 3 with 42 seconds left to put the lead to 4. And then he gets a block with 14 seconds left, and Beasley steals the, the outlet pass to seal the win. Love so, it. 
<clears throat> a couple things. Wanting to go back to the drop defense that Brooke Lopez is um, more known for and helps up his block level, it does make the Bucks susceptible to mid-range, which we've seen with now Cade Cunningham, Jalen Brunson, Tyler Hero, all those guys feasted on mid-range. That's, that's just the shot that you give up. That's the shot you live with. You live mm-hmm. with the deepest two-point shot you can get your opponent to take. That's the worst shot they can take. Yeah. So that I will say, as far as the Bucks' zone defense is concerned, there it, it works. It's just Adrian Griffin is going to need to use it more often to see when the best times to go with it are. I agree. Like obviously, they're not going to play it for a whole game, and obviously, they're going to use it more than just a little bit of the time. Mm-hmm. But when they go to it, it's just something that Adrian Griffin he just needs more experience with doing. But it does work. I agree. Um, Damian Lillard, 18 points in the fourth quarter. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> um, I will say, Marjan Bochamp was underrated in this game. He played really good defense. Um, but I will say, credit to Detroit, Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran. That's going to be a problematic duo. Dude, Cade Cunningham is going to be a superstar. Bro, Jalen Duran is doing like rookie Dwight Howard things. Dude, Duran is a beast, bro. <laughs> he's he's a baller. They yeah. the Detroit Pistons, and you brought up Monty Williams. They made him the highest paid coach in in NBA. Yeah, and putting him with with this duo, and like Jaden Ivey's not bad. They have some other guys that they're building with, like Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran is going to be a problem. I agree. That said, that Giannis ejection was awful. That is a bad, bad look for the NBA. For Giannis to get thrown out for that. And you touched on it, you tiptoed around it a little bit. It changed the game. And I was talking to some of our followers on Twitter and and I get where the where the person was coming from, but people underestimate how big of an impact that has because Giannis is the engine of the offense. He's the engine of the defense, and he's the engine of our rebounding. Dude, he's the engine of the city. Like, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> uh, Brett said I was yelling at him, like, come on, man. He glanced at him. And he did. The, like, the more replays I saw, it's like it was a really brief glance. And it's, yeah, it's a bad look for the NBA. So I'll let you give your thoughts on that, and then I want to refer to one text message that I got. I'm just going to say the thing that I told you. For a league – that wants to get rid of superstars sitting out and, and, and resting and taking nights off, you know, and Giannis is out tonight as we're talking about that. Uh, just so yeah. everybody knows, Giannis is out versus the Raptors tonight. Yeah. Um, to have a guy thrown out for something like that off of a highlight play, which let's not kid ourselves, right? We know the impact that those reels have. We know the impact that those highlights have. Yep. Those are plays that could get you going. The Bucks were firmly in control of that game. Yep. There was going to be no problem. Giannis was obviously taking over, dunking on them. And to hear the refs, you know, yeah, explanation, I guess I'll say, when all that stuff leads to more passionate play. Let me tell you something. <laughs> As a guy that works his ass off, if I make it to one game with my son, if I make it to one game, I want to see passion. Yeah. Do I need them ripping each other's jerseys off and doing chokeholds like right. Draymond Green was? No. Yeah, exactly. Right. But 
I want to see people flying around and playing physical and jumping and going crazy and dunking on each other. That's what I signed up for. Yep. I might make it to one damn game. Maybe. And if I'm lucky enough to sit close enough to see those dunks up close, I want to see that. Yep. The ref to throw them out for that is bullshit. Plain it's, and simple. He didn't say anything personal to him. Nope. You know, he wasn't throwing the N-word at him. He didn't swear at him. He didn't get in his face. He didn't point at him. He didn't, he didn't point at him. He, he It was a glance. He didn't even stare at him. He looked at him, turned away, did the too small, and that was it. That is not something you should eject somebody for. Russell Westbrook used to walk down the court like this. Yeah. I'm like, come on. And the, and the fact that the ref kept walking away from Giannis, like he wouldn't even explain it to him. Like, yeah. That's kind of childish. I agree. But what I will say is I texted Stephen Watson about it. Okay. And what Stephen Watson said was, you know, he gets, you know, he gets where we're coming from on this of, you know, he shouldn't have been thrown out for that. But what Stephen Watson said was to save those emotions for the 76ers and the Celtics. I, uh, I am sorry, Stephen. I don't agree. I don't agree. You have a new coach. You have a bunch of new players. Your job, and like I just said, I might make it to one game. So the one game I go to is against the the Hornets. Giannis isn't supposed to play with passion. He's supposed to dunk on somebody and, and let them know about it. That's still an NBA player getting, getting a paycheck. You have to be locked in every single game. That's what I expect from you as a professional. So I do not agree with that. I understand where he's coming from. Yep. A little bit of yeah. I understand that. I'm going to politely disagree with him, though. All right. Let's talk Bucks Pacers. What stood out to you from that one? A good basketball game, first and foremost. This was fun. Um, I The Pacers are in our division. I don't hate them. I have never had ill will towards the Pacers. Pacers are fun. Uh, them having Tyrese Halliburton, who's obviously like a hometown hero, is awesome. Uh, his shoes, shout out to the shoe game. Um, that was awesome. But Giannis was a madman. Uh, they they took a they took a pretty big lead. Uh, they they were kind of running us off the court, you know, in the first quarter, and then Giannis happened. And uh, I'm I'm gonna let you like do all the breakdown and stuff. Uh, no Dame in this one. Uh, Chris Middleton played really good in this one. Had 19, 2, and 4. But the thing that I'm going to say is um, Giannis and Chris's legs got tired in the fourth quarter, which is why yeah. he kind of slipped away. You could tell Giannis's legs were done. Maybe, yeah, he tried to drive a couple times, and, you know, he got bumped, and he was done. I was like, yeah, he's toast. Yeah, and unfortunately, Giannis had a couple late um, late turnovers too. And I think part of this was, was that when Giannis hit 50, it should have been an and one. When Giannis hit 52, should have been an and one. When he hit 54, he finally got the and one, and then that's where he ran out of gas, and yep. that's just what, what happened. Um, yep. Pacers went 20 of 48 from the three-point line. That yep. is 2018 Milwaukee Bucks let it fly type numbers. They had 33 more points from the three-point line than the Bucks. That's they made the eight Bucks. threes in the first fucking quarter. Yeah. That's nuts. Eight threes in a quarter is wild. Yeah, they were going crazy. Like that, that puts you on pace for 32 made threes. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. 
So no Damian Lillard the day after having a Dame time game. And Brooke Lopez went one for seven from the field and 0 for four from the three point line the day after making a super clutch three. Legs. That's tough. Old man. Um, Bucks had 60 points in the paint, which is great. A lot by Giannis, but some other guys like Marjan and Chris Middleton getting involved in there is good. Um, yep. Pat Connaughton and Marjan Bochamp are taking on the Grayson Allen driving kick role that we talked about last week. Um, Brett, have a good night. And then I will say. 38 of Giannis's 54 points came in the second and third quarter. Dang. They did not have any points in the final five minutes. That's where I, that's where our hypothesis of running out of gas comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Giannis watches the film from this game too, I think that he thinks that he could have had 60 points. Oh, 100%. Uh, he missed some shots in the paint, and he needs to get his turnovers down. He had eight turnovers in this game. So I'll say Giannis – would look at his stat line, and I would say that Giannis probably thinks that he could have had 60 points in this game. Oh, he could have. Um, what I will say is the Pacers' offense is for real. Yes, it is. Um, we've seen them building it over the last couple of years, and they are number one in scoring, number one in assists, and number one in offensive rating. This and they're number not, three in passing. Yeah, like, this is touches. not the, the 2016 Pacers where they had nobody left from their, their contending days. Yeah. This is a, a pretty solid Pacers team with a lot of shooting. Yeah, Miles Turner was going nuts, dude. He was making hella threes. And he God, has a I love Miles Turner. Just don't so, do that against us. Dude, such great arc on his jump shot, too. Yeah, and he's a good defense. Like, seriously, when Brooke Lopez retires, like, give me Miles Turner, please. I love Miles Turner. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this one? Uh, fundamental failures, 35. Only missed three free throws, which is good. 14 points off turnovers and 18 second chance points for Indiana, which is a little high. Um, but, you know, only the thing with that is they only had nine offensive rebounds to get 18 second chance points. Yeah, that's That's tough. a great conversion rate on your offensive rebounds. They were getting wide open threes off their rebounds. Oh, this is what sucks because, honestly, this is really the only thing that I want to say about this Magic game. Holy shit. This is probably the worst that I will ever see on my fundamental failures that I track, which is missed free throws, not boxing out, which allows offensive rebounds and second chance points, and then not turning the ball over, which allows points off turnovers. This is easily the worst I've ever seen. So the Bucks missed 13 free throws. Yep. They gave up 20 points off turnovers. And 22 second chance points. That's 55 fundamental failure points. Boy. Flip that. Orlando missed five free throws. The Bucks only scored seven points off turnovers and only four second chance points. Orlando's fundamental failure for this points for this game, 16. That would be easily the best. I think the lowest that I've seen, I think the Bucks had a couple games last year where they were at like 11 or 12. That's fucking crazy. But, I mean, you look at bad shooting and bad fundamentals, that's how you lose big to a bad team. Yeah. That's really my only takeaway from this game. That is it. Yeah. To me, Giannis, 35-10-7, seems like he was the only one that showed up. But even early, I don't know. This, They just seem disinterested. That's all I got to say. I will say Andre Jackson, Jr., 
he was still hustling his ass off. Uh, Coach Griffin went with a Chris Livingston, um, Chris Middleton, Andre Jackson Jr., Thanasis, and then a Kumbo Bobby Portis lineup, which was interesting. He said he was mm-hmm. just looking to get some energy in there, which mm-hmm. which I'm totally on board with. People <laughs> talked about it for a long time of Budenholzer not giving the young guys any playing time. Adrian Griffin has given the young guys some playing time. Yeah, we for hired sure. some coaches known for player development. But it's good to see the young guys getting some minutes. Agreed. All right. Let's talk about Monday night's game. Bucks and Bulls. What's it out to you from Monday's game? Um, this is the end of this Chicago Bulls experiment. It should have never happened in the first this place. Is absolutely the end. It was um, dumb when they traded for Vucevic. Yeah, they they uh yeah, it was dumb when they traded for Vucevic. They were trying to grab any so like sort we got of... a bunch of guys that can play offense and not play defense. Let's get another guy who can play offense but not play defense. Yeah. They, and they were trying to grab any kind of success they could. They were just trying to make the second round of the playoffs, to be honest with you. They yeah. weren't being serious. Like, are, were you really being serious with this construction of this team? No. Um, DeMar DeRozan, good player. Zach Levine, good player. Um, I mean, even Ball, before he got hurt, good player. Vucevic yeah. has value in certain areas. Um, it's just – it's the end. Uh, Giannis was absolutely dominating them. The fact that the Bucks can win a game by nine points when Damian Lillard shoots three of 17 is fucking ridiculous, dude. Uh, let's stay on Damian Lillard for a minute because we have to remember and we need to remind Bucks fans that he did not have a normal offseason. No. While him being waited, waiting to be traded, and not to mention he missed the previous two games, Damian yep. Lillard is not in his midseason form, and we need to be a little bit patient with him until he kind of gets that conditioning up. Yeah, and he's also going through some some off the court issues, you know, True. family stuff. And I mean, people really underestimate the the power of that. I mean, look at a coworker who who's these guys are human. Yeah, like going through a divorce or go, goes through like a death or or any kind of like very emotionally strenuous situation. Yeah, that is so hard to overcome. I mean, I I paint fire trucks for a living, and I have a guy that's you know going through some stuff, and man, he's he's not all there all day. He messes some shit up. You expect a, a professional athlete to come in and shoot 40-foot bombs and make every single one of them is ridiculous. Yeah. So let, let's give him a break. Let let him, you know, I agree with what you said. Let him get the conditioning up. Uh, Brooke yep. Lopez was okay. He was a little bit better. Beasley has been up and down. Um, I think he's still kind of trying to find his role. Bobby Portis, double-double yeah. double Bobby is back. Bobby Bordis is back, baby. Yeah. Um, the Bulls shot like shit besides free throws. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over much, though. The Bucks got to get turnovers down, and yep. they cannot allow 18 offensive rebounds. That is absolutely far too much. So they they turn the turnovers down. We start rebounding the damn basketball. We're going to be fine. That's the problem with the defense, in my opinion, is we do not finish out defensive you know, possessions. We don't rebound yep. the damn ball. Okay. So I know I just harped on 55 fundamental failure points against Orlando, but you brought up 17 turnovers and 18 offensive rebounds. 22 second chance points for Chicago. 22 points off turnovers for Chicago and eight missed free throws by the Bucks is 52 fundamental oh failure points. God, man. I don't think the Badger or the Bucks have had two games in a season over 50, much less back to back. So get this shit out of your system. And let's let's get it going for you know this in season tournament and get to the all star break and the trade deadline and and get it ramped up for the playoffs, which is obviously still like four or five months away. But Agreed. 
get this shit out of the system and then let's let's clean it up. So I will say <clears throat> the Bucks shot a bad three point percentage, but they had a lot of in and outs. They did. Those those will fall. And I think Lisa Byington even said that during the during the broadcast that those will fall. Mm-hmm. Um the final score I do think indicates that the game was closer than it actually was. The Bucks were up 13 points with under two minutes to go. Um, so I do think that the final score doesn't quite tell the truth of the game. Yeah. And then we talked about Damian Lillard. I do want to give Chris Middleton credit. He's been very efficient this game. He was six of 10. He was five for five inside the three point line. He had 13 points, six rebounds, two assists in 19 minutes. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Look at all of his misses. All of his misses were three pointers. Yeah. Dude, that's, one that's... Five behind the three point line. Yep. Dude. And. Again, when his legs get there, conditioning could be the thing for him too. Yeah. When he fair. gets the conditioning under control, dude, fire away. But for right yep. now, you are absolutely cooking from the mid-range, dude. Just cook. Yep. Just cook. And this is where I want to talk about my my other power pair and my underrated performer, Pat Connaughton and Andre Jackson Jr. Andre Jackson Jr., he hit his first career three-pointer on his birthday, which is cool. So good for Andre Jackson Jr. He had five points and three rebounds, which I brought up. All of it came in the third quarter. That's how you affect the game in a positive way in limited minutes. You go, you go in, you make an impact, and you come out. That's mm, I'm fucking loving what I'm seeing from Andre Jackson. So close to making that three for a couple previous. I know. (laughs) And you could see him, man. He was like, "Come on, man, just give me one, so I can stop thinking about it." You know. So okay, great call out. Let me say this: because he made one, does not make him a shooter yet. Agreed. People need to settle down. And be like, oh, we don't need to play Pat Connaughton because Andre Jackson Jr. can shoot. But he made one three. Right. The breaks, let's hope he makes every single one that he shoots. But he's his volume is not there yet. When when Andre Jackson Jr. gets a bang from Mike Breen in the NBA Finals, then we can make that change. I'll feel yeah. comfortable. <laughs> because we need to give credit to Pat Connaughton in this game. Yes. Because, you know, his stats may not be there. But man, Pat Connaughton, he hustles. And Pat Connaughton plays defense. Yep. Pat Connaughton, when guarding DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, two very good offensive players, mid-range killers, and Levine is at least a good three-point shooter. Yep. Those two versus Pat Connaughton combined four for 13. Damn. One for five from the three-point line. I like it. I like Pat it. Connaughton played good defense last night. I like it. All right. So the Bucks have four games, I believe. Yes, they do. They have four games. They play tonight at Toronto, yep. Friday night at Charlotte, Saturday Same. night against Dallas, and then Monday against Washington. What are you looking at a record prediction for next week? I know Giannis is out tonight, so that's probably a loss. Like, Let's call it what it is. Yeah, that's tough. Toronto kind of has our number. Yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna, they, I'm gonna, they have the they have the wall thing. Like I don't know what it is. Even with Nick Nurse gone, like and yeah. Adrian Griffin gone, like they still have the wall thing. Yeah, and they it they're, might be their personnel. Physical. Like having Anunobi, Siakam, and Pirtle, like that gives them like a solid wall there. But Siakam know. is an underrated defender of Giannis. I'll say, um, he's just got the jumping ability. You know, the athletic ability. Yeah, with the yeah. Um, so. I'm going to say three and one. I will say they win the back-to-back, which will be nice to watch. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the Bucks need a four and a week just to settle things down. 
Like, and I'm not even expecting a four and all week, but I'm saying like from some of the, the outside perspective and not that I want to cater to this, but fans, media, you know, uh, whatever it may be like the bucks just need a four and a week just to kind of calm things down is what yeah. I'm looking for. And yep. here's the thing is even though the bucks are in this new scenario with, you know, dealing with guys with injuries and the roster turnover and the new coaching change, we could be the Clippers. The Clippers have just as good of a team as the Bucks on paper, and nothing is working for them. Bro. And now they're telling people like Bones Highland, who's a talented young player, that he's not going to yep. get any playing time. Like, they are a mess. L.A. basketball teams are a mess right now. Yeah. I'll take Bones Highland. I'm not that way. Neither. Same. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, give me Terrence Mann first. Yeah. Uh, perimeter defender. Guy that isn't afraid to score in the playoffs. Take big oversized shots. point guard. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, other than that, let's get the Bucks a W. And Jake and I will be back on Friday night. Other than that, I will see you Friday night. And we will be back next week talking about the Bucks and the Badgers football and basketball. All right, buddy. Take care. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc